Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugart. Corey, it wasn't an ideal night at Happy Valley, or afternoon, I should say, because it was a noon kick, but there's nothing really we should be concerned about, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, what we do with football specifically is we overreact. We overreact to really good things. And then we overreact to bad things, and then we overreact to mediocre things. Penn State played a mediocre game on Saturday and still won by 19 points. The bottom line is they won by 19. This game was never in doubt. But this was this was not a particularly strong Penn State performance. Central Michigan was a couple plays away from you know being even closer in the game. So how do we view it then, Jared? How do we – do we say, okay, well, Auburn was a fluke. Auburn sucks. 41-12. Got to kind of dismiss that a little bit. Purdue's apparently not real good. So, got, Or do we just say, hey, you know what? These are 18- to 22-year-old kids plus 24-year-old Sean Clifford, and it was probably pretty reasonable to expect that they might have a little bit of a letdown after the Auburn game. I, I kind of thought there was. The line was 28. I thought that number was way too big. Because I, I kind of expected to Penn, Penn State to have a little bit of a letdown here. Yeah, I mean, I think – I mean, let's be real. Nothing quite like going from Auburn, Alabama, and, you know, Jordan-Hare Stadium to Beaver Stadium against Central Michigan. Now, I will say, giving you got to give Central Michigan credit. I thought they had a really good game planned out. I thought they put Penn State's defense in a lot of conflict uh, with their play calling, and I think that was a great uh, – just a great game plan. Uh, from them all together in their coaching staff. But, I mean, I think we just need to be happy that – and Penn State fans should be happy. And so, same with the program. It was a win. That's the most important thing. They won. For the most part, everybody has remained, you know, relatively healthy. Sean Clifford's healthy. Drew Aller got some more playing time. So, there are obviously a lot of good things. But, again, you come off at Jordan-Hare Stadium, that experience, you beat them. You move up in the rankings, and yeah, was it was there a letdown in the first half? I think so, but then you know they dialed it up a little bit, found some success. Defense played pretty well in the second half, and voila, you have a win. This is what it comes down to, though. As we're recording this late Saturday night, Ohio State is up on Wisconsin, thirty-eight to seven. 
they're beating the holy hell out of Wisconsin. No matter what we think about Penn State from week to week, when you play in the Big Ten East, everything comes down to, will this be good enough against Ohio State? That's just the reality. When you're in a four-team playoff situation, and this is a good, this is a, this is a good Penn State team. It is. They're four and zero. Are they a little overrated? You know, maybe we'll see. They got Northwestern coming up this week, then a, a trip to Michigan after. So we'll we'll find out. The bottom line is, when you see Ohio State just destroy Wisconsin, and we'll see what that final comes out to be. What it does to Penn State fans is it almost creates, not almost, it absolutely does create this internal dilemma of, okay, but. Okay, but Penn State is doing all this against everybody else. Will it work against Ohio State? That That's really, when I saw the score, Ohio State was up 28 to nothing on Wisconsin at one point. I'm like, holy hell, man. Penn yeah, State's gonna it get seems to- like they're going to hang 60 on them tonight. At yeah, least. And, and that's, that's the lot in life for Penn State in the Big Ten East. We all know everything comes down to building toward Ohio State and are you good enough against Ohio State. And so uh, that's why that's why we can be a little hard on Penn State after a 19-point win, for God's sake, at home against And it should have been 21 or even more, right? They, met, they left a couple of points on the board just in special teams. That's interesting because I think it should have been less. I think, I think Central Michigan – scored a touchdown that they got called back on a play. Then they got to the one-yard line. That got called back on a play. I thought this should have been a 12- or 13-point game, Jerry. That's an and, interesting you said that. And, it, and it's very very well possible that, they, that it should have been like that. But when you miss an extra point and then you don't get the, the two-point conversion to make up those points, you know, that's some, that, those are the little things that Penn State needs to tidy up. I think as far as special teams goes – Punting is their best aspect. You know, uh, we're going to talk about this, I think, a little later in the podcast. Um, you know, what could have been with a walk-on uh, quarterback. I don't want to mention any names. Uh, the powers of B won't let me. But, um, you know, Barney Moore. Barney Moore is, 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 Moore is a um, – has been a really good surprise for Penn State fans. You know, you have Jordan Stout. Jordan Stout's now playing on Sundays for the Ravens. Um, but Barney Moore comes in here, gets this uh, – earns a scholarship – and he's been their MVP uh, more often than not and uh, flipping the field and holy balls, Corey, and putting other teams inside the 10. He's been great, but the field goal game has not been good. Uh, the extra point game has not been good. There, there are flaws there that need to be taken care of for Penn State to continue the success as they, success as they return to Big Ten play with Northwestern next week. Yeah, the kicking game leaves a lot to be desired. We're going to talk a lot about Sean Clifford. We're going to talk about Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, all those kind of guys. We're, we're going to get into all of those things, lots of key po- uh, components to this. I am, I am concerned about the kicking game. I, I think that they're going to botch a field goal or an extra point here and there, and it's really going to cost them. I, I just think that Minnesota looked great today. I, I, it's hard to pick against Penn State in a whiteout game and later on down the road, but you know that's Minnesota looks good. You're going to have to kick 35 to 45 yard field goals on a consistent basis if you're going to beat the likes of Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, maybe Maryland, maybe Michigan State. Although Sparty, I think, is 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 struggling. But there are look, there are key concerns. There's no question there are key concerns. 
But at the same time, I'm just trying to – we had a podcast a few weeks ago of never feel bad about a win. I, I, I think Penn State fans feel badly about this win to a degree. Or maybe not badly. That's not the right word. I think feel Penn State fans feel uneasy about this win because, again, it just should have been so much of a – more of a blow, blowout score. And I asked James Franklin, hey – you know, you come off Auburn, what was practice like this week? You know, what's it like to be focused for this team? And I give I give the Penn State folks a lot of credit for being honest about this after the game. James Franklin said, yeah, there were some things that we want to see. Sean Clifford said, yeah, this wasn't up to our standard. You know, Parker Washington, some other guys. This was – I this they didn't try to sugarcoat this with a whole bunch of, oh, yeah, we played great, blah, blah, blah. No, that, I think they all realized they probably should have beaten the holy hell out of this team. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think that that self-reflection even immediately after the game, I think it's good. You know, that's that's the characteristics of some good, good teams. So it's good that I think, you know, I think more so Penn State fans are probably a little bit more dissatisfied than anything. Because, um, you know, listen, you, you could have beat a team by 21, 28 plus uh, and they just didn't. But we're, we're going to start previewing and, and looking at what Penn State needs to improve on. Uh, for Northwestern when we come back here for the second segment of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the We Are Podcast, the K Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Corey, Penn State scored two touchdowns pretty quickly. And then after that, it was a whole lot of, uh-oh, woof. Um, and a lot of that is at the hands of Sean Clifford. He was pretty inconsistent uh, throughout most of the early portion of that game after those two scores. This game epitomized Sean Clifford's career, really. You know, he starts off the game eight for eight, 103 yards. They did have a couple of passes there after that that were catchable balls that were dropped. They weren't great throws. They were tougher catches, but they were dropped. But after the eight for eight start, Sean Clifford really was really mediocre the rest of the way. He goes 14 for uh, 26 the rest of the way for 114 yards. So, Sean Clifford in this game is who we thought he was. Now, the good news is, and we will talk a lot about the running back situation later on, the good news is fat man Katron Allen went for 111 yards. But th- this is the kind of game that makes you think, it makes you scratch your head and say, well, Sean Clifford, you know, he, he's just the same dude. He, he's, he's just the same guy he's always been. He can look really good, and then all of a sudden he can look very, very pedestrian. And I know Penn State fans everywhere, Jared, they just wish, they cross their fingers and just wish Sean Clifford could really just play well for a, a long stretch of time and make us think that he's turned the corner but then you have a game like this, and that's just clearly not the case. Yeah, and that's the thing with Sean Clifford, right? That's been his MO. It's you just don't know what you're gonna get, right? Against Auburn, he played really well. Against Purdue, you know, he got the job done. Um, and you know, against Ohio, everything was went very, very well. 
But at the same time, you just don't know what you're going to get. And let's be real. You know, he hasn't played a full game yet. Like, we're four games into the season. He's not played an entire game yet. So that's something I think to look forward to or look ahead to, you know, down the road as we get in, back into Big Ten play, right? He, I guess Purdue, he played the entire game, you know, with that, without that series, you know, right after the half. But, you know, he only played a half against Ohio, and he played, you know what, three quarters against Auburn. So, I mean, Penn State's getting the job done, but Sean Clifford's got to continue to build on that consistency. And when he's not consistent, whether it's short-arming throws or not just set, not setting his feet, you know, I thought the offensive line did okay in pass protection from what I've, you know, you know, listening to the game on the radio and, and seeing some highlights. So I thought they had they gave him time to throw, but you know, he's got to set his feet and he's got to, you know, he's got to be looking downfield and, and finding the open man. I think a lot of times he doesn't give his receivers the best chance to catch the football, um, but they have also got to help him out in, in, in catching the football too. So. You know, it, it goes a lot of different ways. But, again, you mentioned it. Katron Allen, man, another 100-yard rusher for Penn State. And that is huge for them. Absolutely huge for them moving forward. Folks, depending on when you're listening to this, I'm going to have a story up here on the website on uh, Sunday, probably early evening, about how Mich- Central Michigan really kind of gave the blueprint of how to – battle against Penn State and it's the same blueprint we've seen for several years you try to load up to stop the run and then you force Penn State to beat you with the passing game now I'm going to give Central Michigan a hell of a lot of credit Penn State struggled and and, and really had to battle for rushing yards for a good bit of the game now Catron did go 13 for 111 he had a long of 37 Singleton had a long of 21 And Penn State finished with 166 yards rushing. But for a good bit of this game, yards on the ground were difficult to come by. Jim McElwain has been at Colorado. uh, He's been at Colorado. He's been at uh, what Colorado State, I think, at Florida. Uh, He's been at places where he's played a lot of big games. And I I think they came in in with a really good game plan. And this is what we're going to see in the Big Ten. It's the same thing we've seen for years, Jared. This is nothing new. Load up to make Penn State beat you through the air. Now, clearly, with Nick Singleton, with Catron Allen, you have better running backs than you've had before. But if I'm playing Penn State, if I'm any coach in this country, and I'm going to go into a game against Penn State, I'm still going to make Sean Clifford beat me with a four-quarter consistent performance. I'm going to do everything I can to stop the running game. And, and look, Central Michigan was out, outmanned, and they were outclassed from a talent standpoint, but they at least kind of hung around in this game by following that philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, you know, that's the it's always been the blueprint for them. You have to you have to make the put the game in Sean Clifford's hands. Um and and you know what? You know, Katron Allen had had himself an afternoon, and that's huge for them. Um but yeah, I mean that's the other thing too is, you know, again the the best way to beat Penn State is put the ball in Clifford's hands and and force him to get skittish in the pocket, force him to make bad decisions, and and if you're able to do that, you know, good things are typically going to happen. But let's how start, let's confident start. how confident are you in 24 year old Sean Clifford Jared that he can beat Ohio State or Michigan on the road, Ohio State home, Michigan on the road that he can beat those teams. 
I'd say six out of ten. Not against, um, not against Ohio State. No, I think six out of ten. The only reason I say six out of ten against Ohio State is because it's at home. Um, I think that is beneficial. I think just, you're. I think that number's way off. I, I, I'm giving Sean Clifford a two or three out of ten at Michigan, and a two or three, one or two out of ten against Ohio State. He's still, he's just still to me the same guy. Now, look, if they run for a buck seventy-five against those teams, that's one thing. But I'm telling you, I think. Michigan, Ohio State are going to shut down Penn State's running game. They're not going to – they've got the speed to prevent Nick Singleton from going around the outside. And, and that's the that's the concern for me still is can Sean Clifford put together the kind of game that you need to beat those kinds of teams. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right, Corey? No, can he – but it's got to be a complete team effort. He's not going to be singularly the one person that goes out and does that, right? Yeah, right. So right. if he's able to get – a complimentary football from the run game and get the tight ends involved, the receivers involved, and let the defense play. You know, I, I think that's going to be a good thing for Penn State moving forward. So it'll be very interesting to see how that goes, you know, as, as things go down the line. And they'll um, need they'll need the defense, obviously, to play well. We're, yeah. Look, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here, I know, because – but, but that's just what Penn State football is. you got Northwestern coming up this week. Northwestern's not very good. And – Hey, you know, as we close out this segment, the great thing is the expectations are now so high. Hey, that's awesome. That's awesome, right, Jared? We didn't have these kind of expectations necessarily three weeks ago, but when you go out and perform the way Penn State has with a 4 0 start and you clobber Auburn, the good news is they have raised the bar when it comes to expectations for everybody. The tough news is now you got to live up to that week after week. Right. And it's not going to get any easier in the big 10, right? You obviously are at Northwestern, but you're getting, you're getting into the nitty gritty and the, and the grind of the schedule. Right. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how everything kind of plays out, but let's get to the third and final segment, Corey, because that's where we're going to have a little bit of fun here. You know, we're going to talk about a little bit uh, of some quarterbacks that we might like to see in a Penn state uniform, you know, despite, you know, not being able to be really eligible. So we'll talk a little bit more about ineligible quarterbacks when we get back here on the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast, DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. A lot for what that what happened at Auburn, but it was another old school SEC quarterback that helped them, you know, make waves around the country and the world on social media and and throughout national TV because, you know, one Eli Manning was on campus in the fall, but he wasn't there as Eli Manning. He was this Chad Powers. So, man, and this is the best story of the year. Nothing else can take it. But the man is ineligible. Number one, because he's Tom Brady's script tonight and has already won two Super Bowls. He's 41 years old. But the <laughs> 5 4 9 40 yard dash isn't going to cut it, Corey. Wasn't, wasn't that great? Uh, again, I know we can break down football left and right, but let's take a step back here and realize the week that was and just how cool that was. You know, I, uh, I asked James on Tuesday, you know, you got the Chad Powers thing, you got Hingle McCringleberry. 
from Key and Peele. You know, these, these are things, they're just cool, you know. They keep Penn State, the Q rating for Penn State is cool. James Franklin's kind of a cool guy with this entertainment stuff. And so it really could not have come at a better time. Jared Penn State beats Auburn, and all of a sudden Chad Powers comes out. I watched it the first time just mesmerized. And sometimes in life you see something entertaining, you know, a movie or a TV show, and you don't necessarily want to watch it again. All right. But then sometimes you do want to watch things over and over and over, like Goodfellas. People, Goodfellas is the kind of movie you can see 40 times. Well, I've seen the Chad Powers video like 20, 25 times. I just keep watching it and keep laughing because, man, I, I just thought as much of really, to be honest with you, kind of a nerdy, quiet guy that Eli Manning was during his career. He's really a pretty hilarious dude. Listen, I watched the Manning cast on Monday Night Football religiously. That's the only way that I watched Monday Night Football because they're just genuinely funny. Um, you know, I think the best part about, you know, Chad Powers is just how nonchalant it was and just how greatly packaged, <laughs> you know, and is like, got to get this arm on tape, you know, and, and just some of the quotable things that he said, like, I can't stop talking about it. it. And it's great. They've started the merchandising aspect of it. And they've really built on this. And we talked about branding, right? This is huge for the Penn State brand because they go into Auburn, beat them. And then Sunday into Monday, Chad Powers happens. And it just explodes. And it's such a great thing for the university. But it also shows, number one, the personality of James Franklin. Um, but also the number two thing like first of all Eli is genuinely funny like when you look at these players after their careers like this is a guy that's won two Super Bowls he's you know very easily goes out in New York and does not get recognized um but you know for him to come to Penn State and, and do that and, and to highlight the run-on situation and then of course the guy that gets rewarded is Barney Moore right and and of course he has been playing lights out football as a punter this season so I think that's been awesome too so it, it's just you know, one of those things and one of the situations where it's just been a lot of fun and just ride the wave while you can. Because guess what? The way that I think Penn State fans right now look at the quarterback situation at Penn State, you know, I think they go, you know, Drew Aller, Chad Powers, or maybe even Chad Powers <laughs> and Drew Aller. Yeah. Um, right. And then Anthony Morelli, Zach Mills, <laughs> um, Daryl yeah. Clark. Oh, my God. Um, you know, and then, you know, Kerry Collins, and then probably about 65 different quarterbacks later. It's Sean Clifford. And I say that uh, jokingly, but that's sometimes the way that it feels. Did you really <laughs> say Anthony lack of respect. Did you really absolutely. say Anthony Morelli? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't forget about, you know, uh, Rob Bolden and, and Paul Jones. No, let's, some please, of other let's guys. please do forget about those. Um, hey, but hey, but me... that's the way that people treat Sean Clifford, though. And that's, and that's like, and that's the crazy thing about it. And he can look good. And I want to give I want to give Clifford credit. He's really been good. Uh, not that this will be all in. He's been good with the media. His attitude has been good. His leadership has been excellent this year. He just seems like a different guy. This he seems like a guy that's having more fun this year. And they, obviously they are winning. Um, but I want to point out here. Uh, uh, I think by the time this airs, the Memory Lane podcast will be out this week. Uh, we couldn't quite get it up on Saturday because some technical things, but I think it'll be out. We have one of my, it might be my favorite podcast I've done here in more than a year. So folks, when you listen to this podcast, go listen to the memory lane podcast. 
Jared, this week I did a, a podcast with Shane McGregor. Oh, man, sunshine. The, sunshine, the former walk-on. He played along great, Jared. Uh, Shane McGregor was a walk-on from 08 to 012, got a scholarship. He played along with my Chad Powers thing. We had a lot of fun with the Chad Powers discussion. And then we got into a nice discussion about what, what it was really like to be a walk-on quarterback at Penn State. And so, folks, if you, if you love this stuff and you got a kick out of, the, out of the Chad Powers, make sure you listen to the Shane McGregor podcast because, hey, walk-ons are, can be an important part of a program. Matt McGloin was a walk-on, started seven games in the NFL. Deion Butler was a walk-on, left as the leading receiver in program history. Mike Hall was a walk-on. Baker Mayfield was a walk-on in college. You, you can come up with some tremendous stories as walk-ons. Yeah, right. And, I, you know, Stetson Bennett won the national championship right. last yep. year as a rock yep. walk-on. And, you know, and Penn State relied heavily on walk-ons from 2012. Well, run-ons, right? Um, you know, that's the only time where run-ons are appropriate, especially in journalism uh, when talking about them. Um, uh, nice. But that's the thing, too, right, Corey? So, like, that's what's, that's the beauty of college football because you only have 85 scholarships, but you have 225, 130 kids on the roster. And the rest of that balance is made up by walk-ons and they are very instrumental to practices and, and everything, but it's just one of those deals, right? You know, and it's so cool to see that happen. And everybody loves a good scholarship story when they earn their walk-on and Penn State has a great history of doing that and, and making sure that, you know, these kids get this and, and it's done really well. They've done it at blue white games. They've had Jack Cam do it, you know, and that's just super cool. Um, because not everybody is a five-star athlete. Not everybody is a four-star, three-star. Some of them, hell, they don't have stars. But, but those, those walk-ons, those run-ons, they matter just as much, if not more, than, than many of the other players on those teams. I just want to mention this with regards to Chad Powers because I want to cover my butt and maybe get paid down the road somewhere because there are entertainment executives that are interested in the Chad Powers character and I'm telling you, it would be a sensational TV show if they could somehow get this done. You know, I don't I haven't watched Ted Lasso. I've heard it's phenomenal. I've seen people compare maybe. But here's my idea, Jared. And this is what I want to get paid for. I, I want some executive producer to steal my idea and give me some royalties. So you got you got Chad Powers, his dad in the TV show is Uncle Rico. From Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico leaves the kid when he's a baby. So the actor's name is John Grease. Uncle Rico, he was in uh, he was in Real Genius with Val Kilmer in the 80s. His name's John Grease. You get him for the show. He leaves the kid as a baby. Then he goes trying to throw footballs over the mountain. Uh, and then, like, Holly Hunter is, is Chad Power's dad, uh, mom. She she she's trying to homeschool him. She's not real smart. He gets bad grades, but then they go out in the yard and they practice throwing a football. I'm just saying that the possibilities here are, are endless, Jared. Th this is the kind of thing that if you get brilliant people, they can turn into a great TV show. Yeah, I mean, the possibilities are super endless with uh, with the Chad Power stuff. 
And I mean, I want to focus on his mom because she's not very smart, but she's a hell of a coach. So, you know, I, I really, really, really want to focus on that. Yeah. Because guess what, man? I, I need to meet this woman, right? We need to talk to her. We need You're to find out a little married. bit more about her. Hey, no, 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 no. It, I don't want to. I don't it, watch I, listen, it. by no means. I, I, I don't want that. But I want to know why. How is she dumb? And how is she such a good football coach? Because she doesn't obviously teach him very much. But man, that guy can watch film, right? So that's what's, you know, that's what's the beauty of everything. And, you know, obviously, you know, he's got some great uncles, according to the Jimmy Kimmel skit or Jimmy Fallon skit, where, he, you know, he listed off Austin Powers and Kenny Powers and Uncle Rico, you know, um, was there, too. And he may, maybe he might be a lost, long lost uncle that might be his dad. You just de- you just never know. Um, but I think, you know, you have to kind of build on this. And I think, you know, Ted Lasso is an incredible TV show. If you ever is have the opportunity, not, is, you, you, I love it. Is it one of those things that everybody talks it up and I start watching? It, I'm like, this doesn't live up to the hype or what? It lived up to the hype for me. Okay. It, it absolutely did. Jason Sudeikis does a great job. Roy Kent, I think, is one of the greatest characters of all time. Uh, the, it's colorful language, but it's it's very, very funny. It's not about but, soccer, is it? Um, There are bits and pieces, but there are lessons through soccer. I'm going to um, offend. I'm going to offend people here, but maybe not. I hate soccer. I have no time in my life for soccer unless my kid is playing and he's the goalie, and that's where all the pressure. But soccer does not. So I've always been hesitant about Ted Lasso because I just, to me, I would literally rather stare and watch paint dry than watch soccer. Yeah, the soccer is pretty minimal, but the license, the lessons that you learn, um, I think you know throughout the the course of the TV show, I think are, are really, really good and really, okay. really worth it. Um, but I, there's no reason why uh, another network or, or whoever can't, can't do that with, with Chad Powers. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of, of Chad Powers. This Penn State sold out of all their merchandise for, for Chad Powers uh, at, on, on campus today. Well, do you remember, <laughs> do you remember the, the, the Hingle McCringleberry? And that still comes up. And yeah. I, was talking about, I was talking about my sister-in-law. There's like the, Jackson, Flaxen, Wax. Key and Peel, yeah. Whatever the hell. Yeah, they do that. Those those crazy names, right? And and look, I I will say this, that uh, one thing that you do have to give Penn State and and James Frank a lot of credit for is their their Q rating, their their PR value. They are good with it, man. I mean. They jumped on this really fast with the merchandise and everything in the the 40 contest today at Medler Field. You know, I, I was at Robert Morris watching them get beat by East Tennessee State you know, for most of the Penn State game today. So, you know, I, I would have 100% tried to run the 40-yard 40 dash um, to see if I could beat uh, Chad Powers, and it probably would have been damn very, very damn well competitive. <laughs> How about Franklin goes, five four nine. <laughs> That's right. Your testing skills. and the, the, but, but what people don't – but what people haven't been talking about is the 7-foot-10 vertical. You, if you lay down, yeah, yeah. Like, if about, you just lay down, you're pretty much further than that. How about Eli gets up? I didn't make the team, coach. No, you didn't make it. <laughs> no, and then he starts taking off his head. Oh my but, god, I'm telling. That's what makes college football fun, right? And it, and listen, I, this is a shameless plug for Eli's places. It is a fun watch. You know, the week before that, he was at Auburn with Cam Newton doing a fashion show. So like. You know, it, it tells a good story, but it's also in a way that's not overbearing and over analytical. Um, but let me ask you this you real know. quick along these lines with Eli. Uh, Eli is a borderline Hall of Famer. Would you agree with that? 
Um, I think so. He's Tom Brady's kryptonite. He's the only quarterback well, to beat okay. him in the Super Bowl. Okay, he won two Super Bowls. Eli, he put up numbers, but there are a lot of things about Eli's career that you kind of look at and you think, oh, man, this guy is as average as it gets except for the two Super Bowl years. So my theory on this is I think all this stuff is going to greatly benefit Eli's legacy and Hall of Fame stuff, if you get what I'm saying. If, if, you, if you think he – look, if you think Eli's a Hall of Famer, fine. He gets in when winning two Super Bowls. That's fine. But I think it's, it's pretty questionable whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. But you take into all this account, he's going to become this media superstar forever. I think that gets him into the Hall of Fame at some point. Yeah, right. Um, I think I think he has a shot. I think he has a shot at first ballot, but I think this definitely helps, right? No, not um, first ballot. Hey, Jared, I've seen people say Eli's not a Hall no, of Famer. Peer. The no, only, it depends on I, – I think it depends on who he's going to go in with. The only thing that makes Eli a Hall of Famer is the two Super Bowls. You can look at Ver- – and the fact that he started all those games in a row, but you look at the rest of his career, man, he was pretty damn mediocre for a lot of his career. Yeah, and a lot of those Giants teams just weren't They were good. terrible, right. Um, so, that, I mean, that's – is that his fault? Is it whoever? But you know, he, he did he did win two Super Bowls. Led um, the league in help. interceptions three times. That's you know? right. I mean, he um, look, he did he did put up numbers. But all I'm saying is, when you become a media darling, all oh, of this yeah. stuff will help him. Yeah, and he's well respected. He's well liked. Um, so yeah, this is definitely going to help him moving forward. But but yeah, it'll be interesting to see number one who he's going up against because that matters too. But it'll be very interesting to see what's next for Eli because this is, man, this is a heck of a ride that he's on, and it is so entertaining to, to be along for it. Yeah, I want to see it. All right, so Penn State's got Northwestern next week and the bulk of the, media, uh, of the Big Ten schedule. I'll have stories up here at DK Pittsburgh Sports about maybe some of the things that Central Michigan exposed. We're going to ask the question, Jared, who's the better running back, Nicholas Singleton or Katron Allen? You want to weigh in on that real quick before we get off here? I think, you know, I think the best every down back is Katron Allen right now, but I think the biggest home run threat is Nick Singleton. My comparison is the modern analytics of baseball, of the the strikeout or the home run guy. Nicholas Singleton is that guy. You you want him up there because he can hit the home run at any time and you're willing to take the strikeout. But mm-hmm. Katron Allen is more of the traditional baseball hitter, the singles and doubles guy that maybe he can't hit you the many, as many home runs, but he's not going to strike out and he's going to get you a little bit more. I think it's in terms of an every down kind of back guy. Uh, I mean, Katron might be the guy, but you you got to have Singleton out there for that explosive play possibility. Yeah, right. And and I think it's a good dynamic to have. I think Penn State's very fortunate, um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how they continue to use that and how the offensive line continues to develop in front of them. But, you know, before we say goodbye, I got to send a shout out to my, my main man, Kevin, who's been a longtime listener, longtime reader of, of our work and the podcast, you know, dating back for years. He was able to come to, he went to the game today and stopped and see, stopped to see me in Altoona. Greatly appreciate that. So shout out to him for doing that. But Corey, Penn State's 4 That's all that matters. All that matters. They're a top 15 team. Should beat Northwestern this week, and then we'll see in a few weeks. Northwestern, as we speak, and this is at 11 or it's about 10.38 on uh, Saturday night, is uh, tied with Miami of Ohio in the fourth quarter. Good Lord. But Ohio State crushing Wisconsin, and 
that's really the the litmus test. Michigan, Ohio State, that's what it comes down to. That's right. So it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. But for right now, Penn State's 4-0. They beat Central Michigan. Again, survive in advance. They got another win, and that's all that matters. So for Corey Geiger, this has been Jared Prugar. We will talk to you again next week following Penn State's game against Northwestern on the We Are Podcast and the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.